Welcome to Cinemazing Chats. This is episode 18, and we watched Casper the Friendly Ghost. That's right. We watched a movie about a bald, translucent ghost whose best friend is a living child. No, actually, we watched The Sixth Sense. (laughs) And uh, I'm Erica, and I'm here with Pablo. Hey. So yeah, we chose the this fabulous ghost movie because it's the month of Halloween, so it's very seasonal. And we thought we would kind of invert the thing we usually do, which is pick a movie from a director that's usually does a really good job and then does a misfire. In this case, we're picking a movie that's really well directed from someone who has done a bunch of misfires, M. Night Shyamalan. So I actually thought this was pretty interesting to watch um, just because I hadn't seen this movie uh, in a long time. Probably only seen it twice my whole life, but one of them was obviously when it came out. And I have to say, it actually is aging pretty well. Like, I didn't think it seemed that dated or anything. If anything, they sort of made it have like a Hollywood, like, old-fashioned style in a way. Yeah, I kind of couldn't place the time when I was watching it because it could have been... I guess it was supposed to be in 1999, but a lot of the housing uh, houses were, like, retro. Yeah, it's definitely uh, very Philly-centric, and it's kind of funny how M. Night Shyamalan puts all this, like, Philly architecture in it. And then later at the end, they're, like, obviously thanking all these boards and stuff, so I'm just wondering if they, the production kind of decided to include all those shots just to get, like, more good publicity from the city of Philadelphia. Probably. <laughs> But yeah, this was uh, M. Night Shyamalan's first big movie as both writer and director, though I learned recently that he apparently also wrote the scripts for Stuart Little and She's All That uh, the same year, the Freddie Prince Jr. movie. <laughs> yes. So that's pretty funny. So he actually made like three of the biggest hits of that year, 1999. That one had the biggest twist of all, that she was actually hot. yeah when she took off her glasses and let down her hair and returned out she was been hot the whole time wow i was surprised great twist (laughs) i also saw that the uh cinematographer tak fujimoto has um filmed a lot of really great movies like the original star wars he was second unit and he's done a bunch of um john hughes movies and let's see he then also filmed a bunch of m night's later movies Oh, and he also uh, filmed Silence of the Lambs, which I think he might have won an Oscar for, even. So right away, uh, it was kind of funny. We both noticed that this film was produced by uh, something we'd never heard of. It's It was Hollywood Pictures, and I was doing a little bit of research and saw that that was actually because... Um, so this guy, David Vogel, who was the president of production at Walt Disney, uh, bought the script, but he paid like $3 million for it. And then Disney fired him because of that. So basically, they didn't have much confidence in the film, and they just sort of like produced it, but then uh, had a different studio distribute it, Spyglass. So basically, this is how uh, M. Night got folded into the House of Mouse or whatever. Oh, gosh. Disney. But it's through this kind of, like, obviously, they thought this film would fail. And I also think this is one of the movies that kind of established that like sort of cheap indie horror movies could then make a lot of money because this was made with only a budget of $40 million and then made something like uh, almost $700 million. Wow. So that's like a massive success. And it's also very funny that the uh, before you even see the credits, you just see Bruce Willis. Then it says The Sixth Sense. Then it lists uh, Tony Collette and Haley Joel Osment. 
in probably his second or third big role after Forrest Gump. And I think uh, you can definitely say that a lot of the success for the, of this film is just how good Haley Joel Osment is in the role of the of Cole, the sort of sensitive, introspective child. Oh, right, because everyone in 1999 was blown away by this like child actor, right? Yeah. Oh, he's actually our age. Uh, well, I don't know if I should blow this up, but anyway, he's our age. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny. I was reading about the Blair Witch Project coming out in 1999. And that was just like shaky cam, yeah, cheap movie. I also remember that. Um, so the Sixth Sense was really big for Haley Joel Osment, but then for some reason the next movie he made was one of the shittiest movies I've ever seen. Uh, Pay it forward. What was that? That like terrible Kevin Spacey and Helen Hunt movie where he's like, if one person just was one good deed, and the next person does one good deed, and the next person does one good deed, then we solve the world crises. And he gets stabbed at the end, and it's really dumb. Yeah, then we negate all of Kevin Spacey's deeds. <laughs> But then after that, he made AI, which was pretty big. And then obviously he got older and less cute after that. <laughs> he was so creepy cute, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is also a really big film for Bruce Willis um, after Pulp Fiction kind of put him back on the map. And then uh, I think this is the other film that sort of pushed him back to the forefront of the zeitgeist, I guess. Right. So, yeah. Should we talk about how the movie starts with Bruce Willis's life? Yeah, so uh, it kind of starts with him just like living his life and him and his wife are coming back, uh, played by Olivia Williams, who's also in Dollhouse and a bunch of other like Shakespeare type stuff. Oh, Rushmore, too. Mm. Uh, so basically, they're a married couple. He's like a, psych- a child psychologist <laughs> and he's just been given some award and they're all like boozed up and celebrating, but then they discover broken glass and that there's, like, some guy, some crazy guy broke into their house. Okay, well, can we talk... Sorry, I shouldn't say crazy. Oh, yeah, this, uh, someone who seems very upset and broken. Someone with a lot of trauma. But can we discuss the fact that they say child psychologist a lot? (laughs) Like, the mayor is, like, awarding him... Like, I don't, I just don't know what mayor would be awarding a child psychologist... It did kind of give the feeling of like the room where everyone just talks about how amazing Bruce Willis's character is before we even know. Yeah, they're like, about by him. the way. They're just like, you're a great man, Bruce yeah, Willis. Yeah, you are a great child psychologist. <laughs> um, oh, and then he's also, yeah. they're kind of like winos because they're the basement, which is actually kind of a central little plot point, uh, is just a giant wine right. cellar. <laughs> Like, they're obviously loaded, and they spend a lot of it on wine. And then he's literally, like, guzzling the wine. He's, like, chugging it in one of the scenes. (laughs) Right. Somehow they're this incredibly wealthy, uh, well-to-do child psychologist and his wife, which I think she was a jewelry store worker. She must have owned the store. They live in this elegant brownstone in Philadelphia and have wine cellars (laughs) and don't are afraid of anything. But his fabulous life is about to be torn down. <laughs> yeah, so then you discover this guy who is played by uh, one of the other Wahlbergs, Donnie Wahlberg. Oh, God. Uh, is one of his former patients, and he's like saying, you should have helped me, you should have helped me. And basically looking scary and fu- as fuck because he's just wearing tidy whities <laughs> and hanging out, like looking gaunt and creepy in a bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> and like weirdly wet. I'm not really sure what that was about. Yeah, I don't know. I guess it was raining. 
I will say, uh, of the two Wahlbergs that M. Night Shyamalan has worked with, I definitely thought Donnie was the superior actor. <laughs> but now they're all doing Wahlburgers. Um, oh my god, and M. Night Shyamalan worked with the other Wahlberg for The Happening. He must have a Wahlberg thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, they're like Philly's favorite sons or whatever. Oh, I didn't realize that's where they were from. Yeah. Oh, I, I did also want to mention that this movie relies a lot on jump scares, which are relatively cheap in both senses. Yeah. Sort of horror tactic. Like there's a lot of like the camera pans over and something jumps into right, frame or whatever. Right, this kid appears or young guy appears. Some kind of ghost. Oh, and then we also notice he's kind of buff. I mean, I guess because he's like an actor, but he's like standing there naked, oh, but yeah, he doesn't look. Sense. I mean, he looks pretty normal. <laughs> Maybe that was his character research. He's like, I think my character wouldn't eat and therefore wouldn't have much body mass. And also make time to go to the gym and never forget leg days. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I did want to mention that the soundtrack is by James Newton Howard, um, who I think worked on like the Batman Begins soundtrack and other like pretty classic and fa- fantastical movies. And I think he did a really good job of sort of propelling the mood. And then I also want to mention that it was produced by Frank Marshall and Kathleen Kennedy. And they're the ones who uh, do much of the Lucasfilms movies, like Star Wars, all the Star Wars now. Go see a Star <laughs> Wars. Yeah, and another Disney franchise, House of Mouse movie. <laughs> oh, and around this first scene, uh, I started doing this thing, which I'll come back to as we keep going. But basically, um, I realized that M. Night was drawing a lot from probably his own research into ghost phenomena because this is where he starts seeding things like the wife uh, gets cold when she enters the house. So that's where we start to establish the thing about like ghosts equal Mm -hmm. cold. And then there's a bunch of other things like that that I'll mention as they come up. Yeah. There was a lot of like establishing um, actions, but they didn't like verbalize exactly what like the rules were, I guess. Yeah. Oh, you said a funny thing while we were watching it, which was that the wife was like just saying all this exposition, and you were just like, "Thanks, Ryan." <laughs> yeah, she was just like, "You're an awesome psychologist, child psychologist." Um, oh, and I realized that the the Haley Joel Osment's character's name is literally is Cole Seer, like Seer, sort of. Hmm, that's funny. So he has like a kind of almost literal name. Yeah, oh, they all have really weird names, actually. Bruce Willis' character is named Malcolm Crow. for some <laughs> He's reason. Russell Crowe. <laughs> and then the the creepy guy is named Vincent Gray, which isn't, like, a very yeah. standard name. <laughs> but yeah, all the names in this are kind of, like, I don't know about goofy, but very specific, mm-hmm. I guess. Uh, there's some kid who keeps bullying him who's named Tommy Tomasino. <laughs> so yeah, this whole movie's about, like, don't fuck up as a child psychologist or you're former patient will come and shoot you yeah but uh don't wrong any children because <laughs> i guess that he's saying um you failed me so like didn't he literally say that you failed me or you you promised you'd help yeah. me or something so here we're establishing the backstory that we're not going to fill into much later in the movie um once you realize all the things about the ghosts and such because if you're just going to this movie cold, like, up to this point, you have no idea what's going on. Like, it's just, like, some child psychologist getting shot. And I will say, like, I, um, from every time I've watched this movie, like, they do, a, they do a really clever job. Like, I know everyone gives M. Night Shyamalan shit now about his twist endings. <laughs> but they do actually do a really good job of not, like, tipping their hat, like, overtly. 
Like, even though we see Bruce Willis get shot, like, you, as the audience, kind of assume he got better. Mm-hmm. Then you cut from that to, um, they're in South Philadelphia, born and raised, in a ghost town where they spent well, yeah, their ghost days. Yeah, ghost town. <laughs> yeah, there's just this little nerd boy, and he's, like, creepily stalking him. Yeah. Um, so I guess, so right now he's actually not really a very good child psychologist, so he's like, I have to do great on this kid. <laughs> exactly yeah so we're just led to believe that he's just had a crisis of faith and he's like wondering if he can even do this anymore and we don't even know how many years it's been since that last encounter well I, that was a weird thing yeah so he follows cole to the church is that right a cathedral yeah and the church had this weird fancy red door i noted Mm. I was like, uh, Haley thinks the church will keep out ghosts, but stupid him, he he doesn't realize that's vampires. Right, I was wondering that because I was like, he seems to think it's kind of a safe spot, but I don't know, it, it, Bruce Willis is able to go in, I guess, because he's a good ghost, maybe, I don't know. Right, and he even, is, the first conversation is where he explains the concept of sanctuary to the kid. Oh. It's almost like he's seeking sanctuary. And Cole is like, are you a good psychologist or a yeah, bad psychologist? Yes. And Bruce Will should be like, well, my last patient shot I'm me in the I'm doing stomach. great. <laughs> um, but yeah, doesn't he say something to Cole like, I um, was supposed to come or meet you this morning or something? It's almost like he thinks it's just like right after getting shot and getting better. Or he almost doesn't remember getting shot, I guess. He just thinks he was... Going to work the next day is what it sounded like to me. Oh, I mean, I definitely got the sense that time passed, okay. but I don't think they really, like, established that in any way. They just, like, show South Philadelphia. <laughs> yes. So, you know, something has changed. Right. So that's the whole, it's like a magic trick, this movie, because they basically just let you assume all these things and fill, all, fill in all these gaps when really there's this whole, like, twist that you don't even realize. Yeah, and it's maybe, like, a little bit vague, but it... It gives you, like, it fills in most things. And it's fairly, like, cleverly constructed in the sense that, like, a lot of this movie is repetitions. They can sort of break it down into the scenes between Bruce Willis and Haley Joel Osment. And then the scenes where Bruce Willis is getting, like, passive-aggressively ignored by his wife is what we're led to believe. Mm-hmm. And then just the, obviously, the all the scenes with the ghosts. And all the scenes with the ghosts. Oh, and I wanted to say the my favorite line from um, the Wahlberg guy was, do you know why you're afraid when you're alone? I do. <laughs> <laughs> right, and two things get echoed from that later on with Cole. Like, first, I think he even repeats those exact words when he's revealing his secret. When he's telling him that he sees dead people. And then he... There's like a visual match... Uh, when he's trying to encounter his first ghost that we know of, where he's just in a bathroom, also in tidy whities and a mm-hmm. shirt. Getting haunted in the bathroom. Yeah, so they're like linking these two characters together, basically, visually and, uh, I guess, mentally. Yeah, they're really trying to make it almost the exact same case, um, a repeat case of the Vincent guy. Yeah. Let's see. So basically we have the, the next scene is Bruce Willis is back in his home and his wife won't talk to him. Like just leaves when he enters and just doesn't talk to right. him. Which is also kind of like Fight Club, I was realizing. 
Like that's the same thing they do in that movie. Oh, where it's like the um, Marla, the Hell in the Bottom Carter character won't talk to the other characters, right? And yeah, you're just supposed to think like, oh, angry women <laughs> or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, actually, I'm saying that's supposed to be the next fall specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time is supposed to have passed. Maybe it was the summer to the fall. Who knows? Or the next year. I don't know. Right. So basically, uh, it's also kind of interesting how it's almost um, it's almost the same style as a mystery because you have uh, Malcolm trying to find out like what's going on with this kid. We're trying to find out what's going on with Malcolm. Mm-hmm. And basically, we're just given all these clues, but we still don't put it together until the very end. Oh, that's true. The ghosts aren't really... They're in the latter half of the movie because we go through the movie not knowing what Cole's deal is. Like, we're supposed to just think that he's acting out or, like, he has anxiety or he has some sort of issue that needs a therapist for. Right. Yeah, like, if you didn't know what genre movie this was, like, that it was horror or whatever, you wouldn't even know. Like, you'd just be like, oh, it's some weird suspense thriller. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and then it becomes, when he reveals his secret, then it flips it so we can see everything he was seeing. Yeah, and this also, um, it establishes the kind of, like, creepy, preternaturally mature child <laughs> that movies like The Ring would use later yeah. on. And then other movies like Scary Movie would make fun of. Yeah, he, um... He was, like, wise beyond his years. Like, he was helping Bruce Willis all along. He's, like, more mature than everyone. (laughs) It was Earth all along. Um, So, yeah, the next scene, we are introduced to Toni Collette, who is Cole's mother. And she's understandably, like, freaked out about all this weird shit that keeps happening. Like, she leaves the the kitchen for two seconds, and when she comes back, all the drawers and cupboards are open. Which is totally like something out of Poltergeist. Mm-hmm. So that's another M. Night Shyamalan thing he probably researched. is just the phenomena of things like being arranged crazily like moments later. Let's see. She plies him with Pop-Tarts. Some like nice product placement. Oh, yeah. And then he leaves to go find his friend who is the like asshole bully that he's bribing with the Pop-Tarts to, be, to pretend to be his friend. So his mom thinks he's normal. Oh, right. So he can just walk off with him and wave goodbye to his mom. Yeah. There's a, like a really unnecessary overhead shot, which is probably either a crane or a helicopter. Just really stood out to me. Oh, of them walking or? Yeah, of Cole walking, I guess, to back to the house. Because the next scene is then he's just back to the house to talk to Bruce Willis. Oh, yeah. It's the heaven view because Bruce Willis is his guardian angel. Right, exactly. So yeah, basically the next scene is Cole is coming home and uh, the mom is like, hey, I'll, I'll leave you alone for an to hour. To make pancakes. Yeah, and we were both like, well, she doesn't know that Bruce Willis is there, so she's just basically being a terrible mother. <laughs> she's just like, go go hang out. By yeah, she conveniently is, leave, leave is mother like alone. leaving him time for a therapy session, but she's <laughs> like, don't bother me in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Let's see. Bruce Willis plays a guessing game with him to like... Try to break the ice, I guess. Mm-hmm. And in return, Cole is just a weird mouse boy back to him. Yeah, he kind of stares him down. But I bet that scene was probably how they auditioned the role. Uh, you can totally see how that was like him, Haley Joel Osment, showing off a little bit. Right. 
being like, I have the upper hand, even though you're the adult. But also, I'm trying to, like, think of um, his motivation now that we know the twist. Like, was he saying, you can't help me because Bruce Willis is a ghost? Oh, maybe. See, that's the weird thing, is even at the end, we're not exactly certain if... I mean, obviously, Cole must know that he's a ghost, but he never actually... Like, you and I both remember a scene that's not in the movie, which is, like, where Cole's actually recognizing that Bruce Willis is a ghost. But that's not actually in there, yeah. Yeah, that never actually happens. We're just, like, left to put two and two together that he must know, obviously. Yeah, because I think he... I read he says... Because I didn't remember this, but he tells... um, He tells Bruce Willis to try talking to her... To his wife in her sleep. So he knows that because he's a ghost, that'll work. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're right. He probably does know. Yeah. But he must know that also that he's like a different ghost than the others because he's trying to help him. Right. Uh, And we also discovered clues that um, the mom might have actually called Bruce Willis. Um, So basically later in the movie, there's that whole little mini subplot where he's trying to help the girl ghost to, you know, uh, reveal her her sister. And Cole specifically says something like the sister was trying to help the other sister, the one that's still Mm -hmm. alive. And then there's some line from Tony Collette where she is just says, like, I prayed uh, that someone would help you. And, you know, at the time we're just thinking, oh, she means Bruce Willis. But then later realize, oh, she does mean Bruce Willis, but not in the way we think because she doesn't even know he's there. And he's basically being an angel for Cole. Which is, as opposed to all these other ghosts, which are just, like, angry and trying to resolve something, uh, Malcolm is just trying to actually help Cole because of this time he failed. Right, it's almost like he appeared, like, a year later, or, you know, whatever the next fall is, just for this purpose. Yeah. And I will say, uh, Bruce Willis uh, is pretty, like, charismatic in this role. Like, he, him and Haley Joel are kind of the heart of the film. And they do well, sort of like with their back and forth. Right. Because he does ultimately, like the first half of the movie is him winning over Cole. So that Cole will tell him his, yeah. his real reason for like acting these weird ways. Exactly. So they play this guessing game and there's this nice like camera move, which is like uh, from Cole's point of view when he first goes towards Bruce Willis when he guesses correctly and then moves away from him. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> And then I just wrote in my notes, has no confidence in ghost people. (laughs) Yeah, I guess he's like, no, get out of here. You can't help me, ghost person. Yeah. So then the next scene is Malcolm's meeting his wife in the restaurant where where he proposed to her. (laughs) Um, And he thinks that she's just being like really passive aggressive and won't talk to her. Oh, I thought that was hilarious because I know it's supposed to be like ghosts just see what they want to see. But I was just like, this just shows that um, he thinks this is a normal, like, dinner. Like, he just shows up, has a one-sided conversation, and is just like, all right, bye. (laughs) Right. For some reason, we're just led to believe that uh, Bruce Willis' wife now hates him or disrespects him or doesn't love him or something. Yeah. But there wouldn't really be an explanation for that because all that happened was he got shot. Like, that's what someone would do if they lost a child or something, for example. Right. I think they didn't build up the story enough in the beginning that Bruce Willis always put her second or something to his job. But they didn't establish Uh, that very solidly in the beginning. So I didn't totally pick up on it until I read about the plot later. 
Hmm. Okay. Yeah, so that's why at the very end, he's like, you were never second. He thinks that she's mad the whole time and just completely ignoring him, which I'm like, that's pretty absurd. (laughs) Yeah, I guess my reading of it was just that he feels like he failed uh, as a man or something like that. Like he's just emasculated and has to get his like groove. Yeah, it's like he spent so much time at his job and then he failed at that. And then he also failed his wife by always working at his job. Let's see. There's a nice Trixie line uh, where um, Olivia Williams is like, happy anniversary. Uh, and we're supposed to believe that she's talking to Bruce Willis. But then later we're just like, oh, she was just talking to the memory of Bruce Willis. Oh, yes. So it's like clever how he keeps seeding this like doubt. We're also saying that he is a better psychologist now that he's dead than when he was alive. <laughs> well, he can literally he can spend so much time doing that now. Yeah. What was the Latin that Cole said? Oh, de profundis clamo ad te domine, which is out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Oh, the, it's from the Bible. Oh, yeah. Creepy. But yeah, maybe that's his call for help, I guess. Really, Haley should just not stop whining and go join the X-Men already. Oh, and what? Yeah, exactly. What was up with his... um? Yeah, because he could go to the school for ta- gifted and talented youths. Um, but what was his deal with the little... He liked little war figurines, like little um, military men. Yeah, I just assumed that was to like establish that he's still oh, okay. a kid. Not just some like weird, mature That was just a boy. toy he liked. Okay. I see him. I don't know. I didn't read anything. Oh, what was he saying? What, what did he... Bruce Willis said cheese dick? <laughs> that was my favorite line. <laughs> He used it as an insult. Uh, I don't know. We just assumed that they meant smegma or something. Yes, he was like, I insult your smegma-covered dick. Oh, maybe it was the subplot of the wife was trying to date another man. Yeah, that's right. He was like, get out of here, cheese dick. Yeah, (laughs) from like the basement, like watching through the window. (laughs) Right, so this whole other like thread where Cole... And when he's in the house, it's just, like, in the basement. That's, like, where he keeps all his, like, old psychology Oh, not files. Cole, Malcolm. And eventually... Sorry, yeah. I keep confusing him. Yeah, Malcolm. And eventually, that's where he'll, like, go back through all the recordings of him and Vincent Gray and realize that this guy also uh, had a ghost thing. Yeah, the sixth sense is not proprioception. It's actually seeing ghosts and being psychic. <laughs> yep. That's what they say. <laughs> but yeah, that's definitely another ghost trope is the um, ghosts that show up on recording, like recorded mm-hmm. sound. Oh, and there was like a photograph with like a flash, a flare, a lens flare. Wouldn't it be funny if there was a ghost on this track when we listen back oh, to it later? Oh, God. Oh, and it's also kind of funny that the mom, as far as she is concerned, just assumes the son is insane or like possibly abusing himself. Yeah, because he has cuts all on his he has wrist. all these weird yeah. scratches. Yeah, so this movie's kind of like everyone's just making the wrong assumption. Yeah, because he's psychic, he can be um, hurt by the ghost. He can be affected more. Oh, that's a good point. It's kind of like The Shining. Exactly. So yeah, she thinks he's like a troubled child into God knows what. So the mom thinks that the kid's insane. Bruce Willis thinks that the kid's being abused. And then... um, yeah, everyone's just making bad... Oh, and Bruce Wells thinks his wife's just totally ignoring him. <laughs> oh, is that why he asks about 
Cole seeing his father, he thinks the father's abusing him or something. Oh, maybe. Um, but yeah, the dad's just like kind of not right. part of the story. He's like not really talked about or mentioned. So it like, yeah, it threw his theory out of the water. So I thought it was funny uh, in the scene you were talking about where Malcolm's screaming the cheese stick <laughs> line. Um, it's like this random guy just comes to pick up his his wife and it's like, hey, want to go see the Amish? And in my mind, it's like the wife is like, fuck the Amish. Yeah, well, no, like she that. did say <laughs> like, like, fuck I, that. Yeah, not the Amish. She's like, oh, I don't want to <laughs> yeah. do that. Um, so now the next scene is like really weird. It's the whole stuttering Stanley thing with this random Yeah, teacher. that was the weirdest scene in the movie, I think. It's kind of like out of place in a way. Like it didn't quite make that much sense. And I almost feel like maybe M. Night has some personal connection to this story or something or like dreamed it. For some reason, he like really had to include the scene, even though it's not really that necessary. Yeah. However, the teacher does basically state the thesis of the film. He just talks about how like there have been a lot of people who died on these grounds, and it's almost like the dead are living history or something like that, or changing history. Mm-hmm. So basically, Cole's like uh, correcting the teacher and being like, "They actually used to hang people here," and then he says like, "Stop looking at me," but it's almost like he's talking to a ghost. And teacher's like, I'm not looking at you. And he's like, uh, I don't like it when people look at me that de- that way. How else like, can I look at you? Call. Yeah. Yeah. And he just starts to call the teacher stuttering Stanley over and over In again. In a really like creepy psychopath. way. Yeah, it's like a nightmare. It's basically the exact tone of a nightmare. And the teacher just starts settling. He's like, how did you know that name? And I was like, wow, Cole is a vicious bully. Maybe that's why everyone's shunning him. No, I'm I'm just kidding. Yeah. I think it was supposed to be that he was, yeah, he was projecting what the teacher was, like, afraid of or something. Like, somehow mm. he was, like, reading the teacher's mind or that was his sense of the teacher's fear at the front of the classroom. Or it's almost like he can get possibly possessed or something sometimes. Or maybe he can, like, draw psychic knowledge from the ghosts. It's a pretty cool power. Right. Because I'm not sure where in the movie it was, but there's another scene with the mom, like, having a nightmare and screaming about Cole. And then he, like, touches her head and it calms her back to sleep. So he has, like, some sort of calming abilities as well as, I guess, possessed abilities. (laughs) Well, I guess it's kind of like the closer you are in the spectrum to being able to pick up on these psychic resonances, the easier you're able to, like actually uh, manipulate those and others or something like that Mm -hmm. let's see we get another scene of the wife just being horribly depressed for seemingly no reason and a tasteful shower shot uh, of her butt or something like that yeah yeah and then and malcolm discovers that she's been taking zoloft oh yeah because he's just watching her shower her silhouette when then checks out her zoloft prescription (laughs) and then takes the whole bottle yeah i'm just kidding (laughs) So he's like, oh, I'm a bad husband or something. Yeah. Oh, and one thing I like is that um, they don't... Do they show any ghosts repeatedly? Aren't they all d- unique? Yeah, I think that's another thing that keeps the pace moving along. Like, you don't, like, linger on much. Like, the m- the most you linger is with the uh, ghost girl. who You have to resolve her whole problem. Right. Yep, that's the longest he has an interaction. But other than that, like... Oh, it's also really well, um, it's well sort of structured in the sense that uh, you don't see any ghosts up until the point that obviously Haley, um, Haley as Cole reveals his secret that he sees dead people. And then you get a bunch of ghosts for like the rest of the movie. 
So it doesn't feel like it's slow or like um, it takes a lot of time to build up or anything. It's almost like a uh, roller coaster where it reaches a peak and then it's all like climax, I guess, is him seeing all the mm-hmm. ghosts. It's like the horror thrill that you want. Yeah, for like the latter half of the movie. But I guess, um, so the next scene is him at Darren's birthday party. And in that scene, you definitely do get a sense that something fucked up's going on. You just don't quite know what it is yet. Oh, right. So first there's a creepy red it balloon that like floats <laughs> up and he follows it up. Like yeah, idiot. of course he does. And then of course they have like a spot, an old spiral staircase up to like a random little room that's not even like a bedroom. Yeah, it's like a weird dumb waiter, and you get the sense that somebody used to get trapped in there. Like so, so basically, all these ghosts are either lingering around places that they died or places that they felt a lot of trauma. Right. Except the little girl ghost who just is randomly really far away from where she. Well, he had a line that was like, "She traveled a long way to see me." So that was like a special case. That lends more credence to the theory that her and Malcolm were like a different type of ghost, almost like an angel or something. Right. Like somehow like given special spirit powers and also they seem to have more self-awareness. Like most of these ghosts are just sort of trapped into their loops of how they died. Right. So this ghost is really hostile and in pain and like saying all this threatening shit. So then, like, the Darren and the child actor, who I didn't realize this was even a sub-thread until watching it this time, but there's all this stuff about this kid being an actor. Oh, right. They are just, like, two bullies, so they discover him up there and lock him in the thing. And I also noted that uh, M. Night manages to wring a lot of suspense out of this relatively simple scenario. Like, basically, all you see is a closed door, and then, like, all this... Uh, yeah you hear sounds and the door is closed oh and then they also make it like the mom uh cole's mom tries to get the other kid's mom and they're all just like (gasps) like gasping in the back and i'm like what they can't do anything to help get the kid out of there (laughs) uh yeah his mom's trying to open the door but i guess the ghosts can like hold doors closed Mm. um oh and then i was thinking like this will be like another thing like peanut allergies. Like kids have to specify on their file if they have a ghost allergy or ghost sensitivity because he could get he he got all <laughs> like marked up. He got beaten up by the ghost when he was locked in there. Yeah. Are you preternaturally affected by ghosts? Yeah. They don't go to the school. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Let's see. M. Night makes a cameo as a doctor just to be like, are you abusing your kid? Mm. Oh, I also liked, um, so then later Tony calls the parent of this uh, kid and is like, stay the hell away from my son. Mm-hmm. So she gets like uh, good mom points for that. Right. Um, so then there's another scene uh, between Bruce Willis and Haley where they're kind of, uh, he's telling the kid more about himself, saying like he thinks that his wife didn't like the person he became, mm-hmm. presumably after getting shot. Oh, and this is actually the I See Dead People scene. Yeah. Uh, it's moodily set up with this side shot of Cole, like, laying in bed with this, like, really pink blanket. And then uh, he's basically saying, I'm ready to tell you my secret now. Uh, <laughs> I see dead people. In his super dramatic way that memed super hard. Yeah, but it's like, I feel like it's a combination of the acting, the music, 
and the uh, cinematography is like right in his face. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I was even reading later. So when he says that, there's also an interesting sort of zoom on Bruce Willis's face. And they kind of considered taking that out because they thought that might give the twist away, but it didn't seem to, so they left oh. it in. Oh. Well, it's an, it's an interesting word choice because he could have said, I see ghosts, but yeah, he ne you never actually say the word right. ghosts in this movie, I don't think. That is kind of interesting, and also in the sense that obviously the 90s were all about postmodernism, so it's almost like they're trying to give us like the postmodern spin on ghost stories. Mm -hmm. Like it's a clever, self-aware, metatextual film. Yeah, no, I did notice that actually I took note that there was um, meta audio because of the recordings, meta video because his wife keeps watching their wedding video and also the poison girl takes video of herself getting poisoned by accident. Yeah. And then also there's meta theater. I, oh, because they're in school plays. The dolls. Yeah, the dolls and also oh, yeah. they're in school plays, all the, a bunch of, or several plays, so... I was like, oh, it is pretty, um, I don't know, yeah, meta theater. <laughs> it's almost like M. Night's not really making like a standard ghost movie. He's making more like, this is my best of compilation of all the stuff that I care about ghosts. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, so basically Cole is explaining all the rules. Um, he like explains that ghosts only see what they want to see and that they walk around like regular people. They don't know mm -hmm. they're dead. So these are all things that in the back of our head, if we're, if, I don't know, if we've been cued more, we'd be like, oh, Bruce Willis is definitely a ghost. But since they took such pains to, <laughs> like, obscure yeah. it, you don't really realize that. Because he says, when you watch it again, though, because, yeah, when he says, like, they're everywhere, and he's looking right at Bruce Willis, <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. So I can understand why they thought they might accidentally tip the twist in the scene, but mm, mm -hmm. you know, really. Oh, yeah, and then Cole's like, or, sorry, Malcolm is like, this kid is more fucked up than I thought. He must have school-aged schizophrenia. Oh, yeah, that line was awkward. <laughs> but, yeah, basically from this point onward, we just get, like, a shit ton of ghosts, starting with, um, so like I said, Haley's just hanging out in his tidy whities in the bathroom. Uh, by the way, I really don't think it was necessary to actually see him peer. Oh, yeah, that's extended child urination in this movie. <laughs> That's strange. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically we get a horror jump scare of something passing behind him. Mm -hmm. And he goes to the kitchen and it's this like abused wife. And she's like, uh, look what you made me did. And shows off her cut wrists. Mm -hmm. So then he runs off and realizes he has this like sort of sanctuary set up. It's like a tent thing with um, it's just full of religious artifacts of all types. Oh, because he's yeah, we see him steal one from the cathedral. So like Bruce Willis thinks he just steals things. But yeah, he has this whole sanctuary, which I guess keeps him safe. Like if he keeps the clothespins yeah. holding the sheet, then ghosts stay out of there, I think is what it's implied. I think so. Or at least it's a early warning system for him in case he's asleep or whatever. Oh, yeah. He like sleeps in there. We learn a few more of the rules. Cole explains that it feels like, uh, or actually this is a recording of Vincent, where he says that it feels like you're falling really fast, and you get these prickly goosebump feelings, and the hairs on your uh, skin stand mm -hmm. up, and that it's only the mad ghosts that are cold, that create that cold effect. Hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's this like really weird, sticky Indian couple there being like, oh, we have to find the perfect ring. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, you know <laughs> then, what? Maybe he imprinted on his ring too because she was holding his wedding ring. Oh, you're totally right. Yeah, that is what happened. That's why he's stuck there. Yeah, he keeps going back to the house. And then at the end, she like lets go of the ring and he right. leaves. It's the ring. Ah. Seven days. <laughs> <laughs> And then the the grandmother also imprinted because uh, the mother's like, where's this bumblebee pendant that my grandmother mm. gave me? And Cole's like, I didn't take it. it. Must have been the ghost. Oh, yeah. It's grandma. She's like trying it on or something. <laughs> and that's totally another ghost trope. Just the idea that ghosts move things to like mess with you or to draw attention to something. Oh, and then so when uh, Malcolm breaks the windows when his wife is like about to kiss another guy, are we supposed to think that he threw a rock? Mm, I kind of just assumed he punched it. But oh, that he, he punched it. Okay, so but it's because he's actually like a ghost that he... Yeah, exactly. You don't actually see him do it. You just see the aftermath because I don't think they'd be able to visualize it without like somehow giving it away. Right. Because I don't think you ever actually see the ghost interact directly with Cole or anyone. Right. Like, we know that um, Cole was getting uh, injured, presumably by the abused housewife. I'm not really sure who. But he definitely has, like, signs that he's been, like, held strongly. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So the mom's like, what kind of bullshit is it this time, Cole? And she tells him <laughs> that she uh, keeps praying because she doesn't know how else to get help. And that's where I thought that maybe Bruce Willis is actually like some sort of angel or something. Yeah, I think that explains why he can go into the church. Exactly. And then directly after that, we get our next ghost sighting, which is just some little 70s kid is walking around in the bedroom. And he's just like, want to see my dad's gun? And then he turns oh, around. Yeah. He has like the back of his head blown off. Yeah, basically. super creepy. And gory. Cole's too. like, no, I do not want to see that. <laughs> Don't play with guns, kids. Yeah. But yeah, I did note that the tone in this movie like lands more often than it doesn't, which I think is kind of what differentiates this with some of the M Night movies, like The Village, or The Happening, or even Signs. I thought was kind of whatever, <laughs> where I feel like the tone he's going for doesn't quite work in the way he wants it to. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I also noticed um, around this point that Bruce Willis kind of hides his wounds like uh so basically right after he breaks uh the jewelry store window he's like walking away and he's kind of got his hand right over where his gunshot wound would have been oh yeah because he's only seeing what he wants to see yeah yeah and then later in the movie that's kind of how we realize he's a ghost he like takes off his jacket or maybe his jacket's already off and he turns around and there's like a giant like massive uh like bloody yeah. shirt right Oh, you know what I think I decided was that he always had that wound and he was always making his wife breathe uh, like cold air out or whatever because um, but he just didn't see it. So Cole was probably oh, always point. breathing like that. And Cole probably always saw his giant bloody wound and he never noticed. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be funny. Yeah. It's like some sort of drug trip or something. <laughs> They're like, how do you know you're tripping? And you're like, well, are you seeing a massive wound on me? <laughs> some shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, this whole movie is like, Haley's like, don't fail me. Oh, and I love this cheesy line. He just says, like, some magic's real. Oh, yeah. 
But yeah, so that so Bruce Willis has to actually believe him in order to help him. Yeah. Um, so he has to go, that's why, what motivates him to listen to the tapes with Vincent. I also wrote, uh, so when he's trying to break the ice with Vincent, he just tells him this disturbing chili cheese vomit story. Oh, yeah. Like, out of nowhere. (laughs) And they're, like, laughing, like, oh, oh, oh. And I'm like, well, I have to go for a while. Yeah, hold on. it's this really creepy, uh, Spanish ghost, I guess. (sighs) Yeah. quiero morir. Yeah, what a creepy, he's like, I don't want to (laughs) die. Yeah. So I also uh, wrote that uh, in the same sense that this movie is like an amalgamation of all the ghost stuff. Then later signs was like all the amalgamation of his like favorite alien stuff. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So then when he actually like believes Cole, he's basically like you have to become a ghost behaviorist. That's the lesson. Right. Yeah. He's like, what do you think the ghosts want? And then they both agree that they want help. Yeah. So he's like the ghost whisperer, just like the cat or the dog whisperer. <laughs> yeah. So then um, it's back to the house and the wife is asleep watching the old uh, wedding videos. No, wait, sorry. Got that confused. The mom's having a bad dream. Lynn's having a movie, a bad dream. Yeah. Like a bad movie type dream where, she, where she's just like, oh, what's happening? Right. And then the coal manages to calm her down just by using his hand. Mm-hmm. And then he has his next ghost sighting, which is, uh, it's, it's another jump scare. He, like, runs to the tent and thinks he's, like, outrun the person. And then he, like, turns around and there's of this, course. Like, a little ghost girl, like, throwing up. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, and it's Misha Barton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, so then she just died. This was it was an interesting part because some of the ghosts were more historical, but she would like they have to go to her funeral, so that was recent. Right. And he's also kind of like tell me all your secrets. That was a weird thing too. Yeah, where he was like he he braves asking her, "Do you need something?" and they don't they cut away. They don't actually show her talking. Right. I mean, that was probably just for exposition's sake, so we didn't, like, realize what happened. Right. So, yeah, they go all the way to the terrible South Philly suburbs. But I also think it's kind of a thing where they want to, like, keep the ghosts scary, like, in a way, like, mm-hmm. supernatural. Yeah. As opposed to just, like, normalizing them, but, like, and then they have a whole conversation where she explains everything. Right. <laughs> like, even later when you see the ghost again, she's, like, creepily, like, grabbing him from under a bed. Yeah, she's st- she another jump scare. Yeah. So yeah, this the kid who we know is just like traveling by himself, right? Because <laughs> uh, no one could see Bruce Willis. Just like breaks into this funeral by himself and goes and, up, like, to up to the girl's room. Yeah, <laughs> which is really weird in of itself. Like, wouldn't somebody be like, "Who the fuck is this kid?" <laughs> yeah, and also I was creeped out. Of course, she was into marionettes. They're just all over her room, like really creepy. Oh yeah, the girl's room is just filled with dolls and mannequins. Mm-hmm. But then they actually show her using them in the flashback video, and it's not creepy there. That's it's true. Like all about context, right? So he finds the ring tape and somehow manages to play it in the middle of this funeral. And of course, we see it's like some video that this girl took. Oh, and they're showing this all to the dad. It's like uh, the girl's putting on a mannequin show, and then the mother comes in. And it's like time for your soup. Yeah, Nasty Campbell's tomato <laughs> soup and like a jar or a glass of milk. It was just like all the liquid diet. 
Yeah, and she's like, let me add some poison out of this poison bottle. It tastes great. And that was also very fairy tale. Um, it's like, I don't know if it's supposed to be the actual mother or the stepmother, but oh, no. it's very much like the idea. I learned what that is. It's the Munchausen syndrome by proxy. Yeah, actually, there's an HBO show that deals with this very exact same uh, scenario, but I won't say anything else about it so as to not spoil it. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I learned about that term because of this movie. Yeah. Um, and actually, that was also in the Phantom Thread. There's that whole weird thing yep. where she kept like giving him poison mushrooms and he kept getting sick. Yeah, ex- it's it really was weird. That. I don't really get this trope, to be honest. Yeah. I guess that the mom feels needed or something. It gives them meaning. I don't know. Attention. They they have a purpose to yeah give their attention to. It's pretty creepy though. But yeah, so then all that that scene is is the dad confronts the mom and she just kind of creepily like Stepford has a Stepford wives stare, and I think that's the end of that. Yeah, he's just like talk. Then Cole's (laughs) just talking to the sister. Yeah. So I feel like the whole point of that uh, that little subplot was just to sort of show a way for Cole to move forward. So then we can kind of have a little mini resolution for him. It's just like, okay, instead of getting scared of these things, he's just going to try to help them to realize that they need to move on or that they have something that they need to resolve and help them with it. It'll be its own little mini TV series. <laughs> yeah, ghost mysteries. And it's also just showing how he's, it's like almost a mini building Roseman where he's just like, all right, I got to grow up and stop being this kid since they have all these powers. Like The Shining where the similar thing happens. Yeah. Cole is somehow cast in the school play, so he's going to give his big performance. And the teacher's there uh, being like, you know, there was a school fire here once. And then you see some ghost girl who's like horribly burnt being like walking away. And Cole's like, oh, I know. Yeah. Cole's like, I know everything, silly teacher. But they seem to be friends now. Now now they're pals. (laughs) Maybe Cole actually got killed at some point before this. And that's this twist on the twist. Because suddenly everything good is happening to him. Like the actor, school bully, suddenly casts the village idiot. <laughs> right. He's cast as like the star. It's supposed to be that like now that he's not afraid all the time and can just chat with the ghosts confidently, he he's just like his whole life is transformed. Oh no, it's, it's the magic of child psychology. Yeah, his... No wonder <laughs> Bruce Willis is being so lauded and getting all the money and acclaim. Yeah, I was like, Bruce Willis was like, I've trained you to be a therapist, Anakin. You must go on to become a TV psychologist or like a a TV psychic. (laughs) He must become Dr. Phil. That's what it, well, it reminded me of like, there's a guy on TV now that does stuff like home visits and like Cole, the way Cole was telling his mom, grandma said this. It just reminded me of like a TV psychic. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, basically around this time is when we uh, figure out the twist, or like the movie just basically shows you the twist. And I, s- I thought of this when we first when I first saw it, but then now I'm also thinking about it. Just the fact that this is a good twist, and the way it, the reason it works is because the movie's sort of just primed us to think, oh, it's happy ending time, everything's resolved, the kid is happy. Uh, most normal movies would just end at that point. Mm-hmm. But instead, okay, so, well, first you get one last scene with uh, the mom and Cole where they're just, like, stuck in traffic. And Cole's like, do you know why you're scared when you're masturbating alone? Because ghosts are watching. (laughs) Yeah, there's always ghosts. (laughs) Just so you know, mom. (laughs) 
Yeah, so Cole says a really silly line. He's just like, I'm ready to communicate with you now. Yeah, I was like, what a creeper. <laughs> He's like, all these ghosts used to hurt me, but now we're friends. Yeah. So anyway, he like uh, first proves his powers again to her. So she knows she's not just making things up. Because she's like, do you think someone got hurt? And he's like, yes. And you can see out his window, there's like a dead biker. Mm-hmm. So obviously a biker got run over or whatever. And then he's just explaining to her that he really did see the grandmother. And uh, he just tells her, um, you always wondered whether your mother saw your dance performance, but she actually was there. She like snuck mm-hmm. back in. That's an interesting meta theater thing, too. There's some sort of theme with like parents attending your like childhood performances yeah yeah oh yeah and this is all because the mom just missed the the stage the play. stage because she has to work two jobs as a single mom but bruce willis was there which she doesn't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh and it was interesting that he was he literally tells his mom they want me to do things for them and i was like he better start charging a fee <laughs> yep to the next of kin yeah so then uh, she's just like, uh, I used to ask a question at the grave. Um, did she ever answer it? And he says, every day. And then he asks what the question is. And she's like, do I make her proud? So it's like, oh, everyone's cut. And then Cole makes his mom proud. And it's, yeah, everyone's happy. So again, that would be the normal movie ending would just be the happy ending. And then Bruce Willis is just smirking off in the background and the, the credits just roll or whatever. Mm-hmm. But... Then we get the scene that, of course, makes this movie, like, so much more memorable and impactful, mm-hmm. which is where Bruce Willis comes back home, and he just sees the wife asleep again, and she drops the ring, and he's like, oh shit, I thought I'd been wearing the ring this whole time, but I just saw that because I've been a ghost. <laughs> yeah, and then he, like, we have flashbacks where he's, like, piecing together all the bits and pieces Right, so there's a whole thing where uh, you realize that there's been a table in front of the door to the basement this whole time, and he's actually just been, like, zapping himself there without even realizing it. And we get a full fuller flashback to when he got shot, where you just see, like, he's basically dying. Long before, we just got him clutching his stomach, but now mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I'm feeling better now, and she, like, turns him over, and he's, like, all bloody. Yeah, he never talked to Cole's mom, actually. He was just in the room... Yeah, and we get meaningful flashes to Cole saying the things like, oh, they think they're just regular people and they don't know they're dead and all these things. Right. So then he kneels down in front of his wife sleeping and tells her she was never second. Yeah. And then it fades to white. And then he has a whole like ghost moment. Oh, yeah. yeah. This whole, like, ghost moment where he has to be like, da, He's ascending, da, da, yeah. Da, da, da. But I thought it was a weird <laughs> ending choice where, okay, so it fades to white. Then they flash to the wedding kiss from their mo- whole movie. Then it fades mm. to black and you hear the Yono uh, Quiero Morir again. Oh, no, no, that's at the very end of the credits. Oh, like okay. The Marvel thing. Okay. <laughs> the Marvel stinger is. It's really creepy, actually. It was! Ever. I never saw the credits all the way. No, I wasn't expecting there to be anything at the end. I just had it on by chance. So yeah, at the very, very end of the credits, they replay the creepy uh, thing from the Vincent Gray recording, which is just the <laughs> Spanish guy saying, Yo no quiero morir. Yeah. In a really creepy way. Yep. 
So yeah, basically, uh, I feel like the ending works really well just because you're sort of... Uh, most people watching the movie would probably be like in the Bruce Willis point of view. So the fact that he's a ghost just makes you get this kind of like spooky chill. Am I a ghost? Like the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the floors dropped out of you. And that's actually like a, another common um, paranormal trope is just the idea of a ghost that doesn't know he's a ghost. Right. Like the others, I guess. Exactly. So yeah, the M. Night Shyamalan twist of this film is actually that it was the good one as opposed to the other ones that he made. Yeah. <laughs> the twist was as a good movie. Um. Oh, yes. Oh, and so I have a theory that maybe this was Bruce Willis's trippy ego death. And so he had to like, he only as- ascended out of this uh, like vision or whatever when he realized, when he fixed his failures, basically. Yeah, the whole movie could have not even have happened and all just been Bruce Willis's like vision before he died, like a uh, current Creek Bridge. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's evidence for that, but definitely could be the case. Oh yeah, I I do like the that the kid ends up being a better therapist than him, kind of. I mean, he does help the child, but there's this whole therapy theme of like he failed as a therapist and then he's going to keep trying to be a therapist, but then the kid ends up doing the ultimate therapy on this guy and all the other ghosts. (laughs) Right. I mean, that's a common like Hollywood movie trope. It's just like they fixed each other like Mm. in silver linings notebook or whatever. Oh, playbook. (laughs) Yeah. All the silver linings of the ghost book. That's what this movie was. (laughs) (laughs) The silver linings ghost book. (laughs) But yeah, um, so I feel like this movie is like really stripped down and bare, almost like primal in a way. It's just like a very straightforward, well-told ghost story. It doesn't have like a lot of superfluous bullshit. Uh, it kind of just doesn't waste much time after we learn the ghost stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's just like well-paced. Um, it's only uh, an hour and 47 minutes long doesn't really waste any scenes like all of them are adding clues and things that we're filling in mm-hmm. so i think that those are all the reasons that um that this works and like the tone isn't ridiculous it's like very dramatic and suspenseful and everything like the music and cinematography all add to that whereas like i don't know the village it's all this like build up and then it's just kind of stupid uh or the happening where you just get all this ridiculous build up like the tone is completely ridiculous and <laughs> uh, yeah you can't really defend that movie at least in my opinion bruce willis is like i have a scientific theory my hypothesis is going to be that the kid sees ghosts <laughs> yeah and unbreakable i thought was also really solid and that one's also just like he has a great idea which is like well, let's just why don't we just do superheroes but it's the real world and then only after that we got like heroes and all the other ones that did the same thing so basically, uh, M. Night Shyamalan is almost like the George Lucas of the suspense thriller genre, where he uh, usually comes up with a pretty clever idea, but for one reason or another, sometimes they work and sometimes they really don't. Like Split, for example, more recently, uh, also worked really well. And that one also was pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Like, more or less simple. So it's kind of like um, the more ambitious or convoluted M. Night gets, the worse his movies become. Like, for example, The Last Airbender, which just seemed like it collapsed under its own weight. 
Um, and like we were saying earlier, this was one of the biggest hits of that year. It was only beaten by uh, The Phantom Menace. And it, like, what? I don't know. It made way more money than it cost to make. Like $40 million to $672 million. Well, maybe all of his movies are element benders like the lady in the water would be the water bender and the um let's see oh the happening would be earth bender hmm. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> and ghosts are kind of like the wind well that's the air bender ghosts i guess are just psychic pokemon i don't know <laughs> or they're a ghost pokemon that's an element there you go <laughs> Oh, he should make Pokemon the movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I completely forgot about Lady Water Lady in the Water, but that's another perfect example of like that movie had a pretty solid premise. Like, what if this fairy tale escaped into the real world? But then he just loads it up with all this bullshit about like wasn't there some bodybuilder who only worked out half his body or some shit? And then like somehow Paul Giamatti's character is this writer who like is so important somehow. <laughs> Like, of course, the writer is the most important character. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just feels like somehow, sometimes he gets up his own, you know. You were only ever second to the wine. <laughs> to the wine cellar. Yeah. And then I didn't even see After Earth. I don't know anything about that one. Or The Visit. I think The Visit was like, I think that one was pretty well received. It's just something about creepy grandparents or something like that. Hmm. Oh, and I'm also just seeing that he also helped produce uh, this show called Wayward Pines, which also had a pretty big twist. Hmm. I have not even heard of that. All right. Yeah, I think we don't have to really belabor it. Um, yeah, so I would actually recommend this movie. I thought it was pretty good. Um, pretty scary still. And mostly it's just like the dynamic between Haley Joel Osment and Bruce Willis really works well. I think they're pretty cute together. Yeah, I kind of think the only movie that could um, warm the cockles of my heart for like a father-son kind of dynamic is this creepy ghost movie. Yep, Casper Part Two. It kind of cuts the it cuts the cheese. It cuts through the cheese dick. <laughs> That's true. I mean, and I'm always always had a fondness for ghost stories and urban legends and such paranormal. Mm -hmm. All right, yeah, you done good, M Night. <laughs> All right, so signing off for this edition of Cinemazing Chats, I've been Pablo. And I'm Erica. Have a spooky Halloween.